There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Kenny G brings his Miracles Holiday and Hits tour to Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races in West Virginia this Friday. He joined me to discuss playing the same saxophone for nearly 50 years since high school en route to becoming the top-selling instrumentalist of all time. Kenny G, hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOB in Washington, D.C. Hey, my pleasure. That it worked out. So we are talking because Kenny G is going to be coming to the Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races in West Virginia. I know we're a DC radio station, but our radius covers all that. So all these people are going to be flocking over the line to West Virginia to to see you perform. It's going to be December 9th. Um, so I assume this time of year, I mean, do do you mix any Christmas? I assume any Christmas stuff, holiday stuff in this time of year, or, or is it all out of your your you know your other standards as well? No, we do holiday music too. We'll we'll mix it into the the music we have. Um, five or six holiday songs that we really like to play. So I think we put a nice mix together. It's not all holiday and it's not all not holiday. Well, if you don't mind me asking, what are what are the, the five or six? Are, is it off of Miracles? Because I, I mean, we, I remember our family had that as a kid and I can't think of the holidays without thinking of, you know, your instruments with those those songs. Like you're, they're like the iconic versions of those songs to me. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I By the way, I agree. I completely agree. And uh, <laughs> Mine are the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you just nail the right kind of arrangement on the song and, and that, that album really just did it. So yeah, we do stuff from Miracles and then I've done a couple of of other Christmas records since. Um, and so if you like miracles and if you like the way that sounds, all the Christmas songs I do have, a, have that similar vibe. So it's all going to be great. We'll do, um, we'll do white Christmas. We're going to do deck the halls, sleigh ride, uh, you know, winter wonderland, you know, all the, it's just, those are fun. Uh, and they're, the melodies are beautiful. Everybody knows them. It's fun. So we do that and, and we really enjoy it. Great. Thank you for that. It's going to be great. I mean, it really is, uh, you know, your your sound, your saxophone, your it, it is it is Christmas to us. <laughs> we appreciate it. Um, so what uh, and, and then in terms of some of the other songs, you know, that non non holiday songs uh, and I don't not to spoil the whole set list, but maybe throw out a song title or, or two or, you know, some pieces, composition, some pieces that we that we might recognize from that you might play. You know, it's it's um. I, I, it's hard to say because I don't know if people even know the, the titles of my songs. They just know the melodies, so which is, right. which is even better. That's better for me. So, you know, we'll play our songbird. That's That song's been around for a long time. We have our song called Silhouette that people enjoy. Um, but we do songs that, that we like to play that show off our musicianship. So it's not just playing songs that people come to hear. Um, you know, my, my friend Clive Davis, who is a really famous, uh, you know, record executive told me once he goes you know you don't always want to play the songs that people want to hear you want to give them things that 
they don't even know if that they, they they might think they don't want it, but it's better to give them that to make the show better. So we do things that like we're going to play some old jazz tunes that people probably have never heard of, but they're going to really enjoy that. So so we throw in a lot of things that are unexpected. Well, and to your point, they don't know they want to hear it until they hear it. And then they hear it. And then that's the one they'll be requesting the next time. You know, you got you got you got to stay ahead of the crowd sometimes and let, let lead them to the stuff that you think they'll want to hear. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, whenever I have a legend like yourself on, um, I, I, I always love to sort of hear your quote unquote, your superhero origin story. <laughs> I know you were uh, born in, in Seattle, uh, you know, the other Washington, the, the <laughs> this Washington state, not Washington, D.C. like us. But uh, to just talk about sort of, you know, what, what it was like um, growing up and, uh, you know, I guess it was, you know, Jewish family. You know, what, what did how did you celebrate the holidays around, you know, when you were growing up? Well, we never celebrated Christmas. So <laughs> when I when I started playing Christmas songs, to me, it was a little foreign because I never really got into them until I was an adult. But then I just like the melodies as an as an instrumentalist. You know, I'm always attracted to songs that have great melodies. So these Christmas songs are just beautiful melodies to me. And they obviously represent a really um, for most people, a really beautiful time of the year when you get family together. I know for some people it can be a sad uh, part of the year, but most of the time we we think that people really enjoy the family uh, connection. So I love playing the songs, um, but that didn't really start until I was well into my uh, 20s. And but growing up, I just practice my sax all the time. That's kind of what I do. I'm I'm in the middle of practicing right now as we speak. I'm um, I'm in the middle of my three hours in the morning. I'm here in L.A., and it's uh, what time is it here? But it's in the morning time. So I'm still in the middle of my practicing. I do that every day. And, you know, that's pretty much what's led me to where I am is just working really hard at what I do, getting really good at it. And and then just not uh, not taking no for an answer most of the time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You said you mentioned you're so you're surrounded by your instruments, right? And you have the saxophone sitting there with you. And, you know, are you going to play any for us on this interview or is not or not? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's if you right want, here. I would for you. I mean, be awesome. <laughs> I don't know if it's how good it's going to sound on the iPhone, but you know, um, you know, uh, we'll play like. Uh, Mind throwing a, a Christmas? Yeah, why don't you? If you could, but uh, Christmas, some, something holidayish. <laughs> So there you go. That's, um, wow. you know, it, it doesn't sound that good in the practice room. Like, like this practice room I'm in right now, um, it doesn't sound good in here, which is exactly where I like to practice because I don't want to fool myself to think that I'm I'm playing great stuff when uh, maybe it's not quite so perfect. So in this room, if you don't play it exactly right, it doesn't sound even close to being good. So that's why I practice in here. And it's, uh, I mean, it's, but it's fun to me. It's fun to me because that's the challenge. It's the, it's the challenge of working hard at something that you love to do and, and trying to get better at it. And I do that every morning for three hours. The dedication of doing it for three hours. And yes, and don't worry, obviously it's not ideal as a complete recording studio, but just the idea that we just heard the real genuine article, the live, the real deal, the live over the, <laughs> over the cell phone or whatever. <laughs> that was so It was cool. very easy, by the way. That was easy. That was, that was not hard to do. Exactly. Oh, I mean, you could probably do that in your sleep. Well, of when course. when did you when did you first come into contact with this beautiful instrument of the saxophone? Did you see, hear someone playing it, or, or did you receive it as a gift? I want to know sort of how how that whole relate long your longest relationship began. You and that sax. <laughs> well, yeah, it is my longest relationship. I've had this same sax for 
uh, almost 50 years, this sax that I'm holding in my hand. So That exact one? Yeah, the same one. Yeah, I've had it for a long time since high school. So, you know, it's um, it's definitely we have a good relationship going. Uh, <laughs> we, I think we love each other. I'm pretty sure. I love the sax. I'm pretty sure the sax loves me. Do you ever um, fight? <laughs> no, no, no. Never fight. No, it's always... Uh, <laughs> It's always a it's always a respectful uh, uh, discussion about why a note didn't come out. Like if a note didn't come out, you know, I'm I'm never going to blame the sax unless for some reason there is really a mechanical problem. Every now and then there's a mechanical thing that happens and I go for a note. and It doesn't come out. And I'd love to tell the audience, listen, I played that thing perfectly. The sax just didn't play right because of a, a pad got stuck. But they, you know, you can't say that because there's no time for that kind of stuff. But well, most of the then, time, then you go backstage and you and the sax are fighting. And why'd you have to say that about me? But you know, you know how to press <laughs> buttons. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pressing all the right buttons. But every now and then, um, <laughs> the sax will have a little mechanical problem, but not very often. If I make any mistakes, it's really, it's really all up to me. But yeah, right. we've had this relationship since high school. Um, I saw saw someone on TV playing it when I was a kid. I wanted to play it. And as soon as I got it, I just loved it and really just enjoyed the challenge of practicing and getting better. And and I still do. Every morning, I'm, I'm like, I'm working on some stuff this morning that I will take me months to get to where I'll probably play it live. Just little exercises, little, you know, uh, flurries of notes, um, arpeggios, whatever you want to call them, that are not easy. And uh, they just take, you know, lots of muscle memory and then they become easy. That is great. Do, do you have, do, does it have a, you know, a nickname? Does it, does the saxophone have a name? If it's your longest relationship, it's got to have a name. It doesn't have a name. No, it does not have a name. No, I never, I don't think I've wanted to, to, to cross that line. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I just wanted to cross it. Yeah, exactly. Because you give it a name, then it crosses that line. Well, tell me, yeah. so how, what was the actual, so, you know, you, you got, you really got into playing and I can hear the dedication in your voice. You still play three hours every day, but what was like the big, you know, the quote unquote break into the biz? Was it, we're playing for Barry White's Love Unlimited Orchestra or what, what would you say was sort of the big break? Well, there was, a, there was a lot of big breaks. I mean, uh, doing that when I was in high school playing with Barry White, who was, you know, your young listeners that have no idea who he is, but he was, you know, the biggest, uh, most popular male uh, R&B singer in the world, not not in the country, in the world. And to be able to play with him and, and get featured was uh, for a high school white kid was pretty great. You know, so I got noticed a lot and that kind of helped me kind of get established as a guy that could play the instrument. And then from there, you know, joining bands and then getting seen Clive Davis uh, coming and asking me if I wanted to do my own record deal. And then from there you know, finding the right management that got me on the tonight show with Johnny Carson. Um, again, young listeners that don't know about that, the Johnny Carson show was, was everything. It was a Kimmel. It was a Fallon. It was Oprah. It was all Ellen. of them combined, <laughs> all of them combined times like a hundred. And yeah. if you were on that show and you got featured and, and you did well, it was a, it, that really made your career. So all those things combined, you know, and you take away any one of them and, and I'm probably not talking to you today. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you are talking to us today. Me, and, me too. Me too. Because <laughs> uh, it means a lot of success along the way. Now, what was it your idea or Clive's idea when he signed you uh, uh, to to shorten it to Kenny G? You know, because Kenneth Gorlick is that how you say it is the full name. But was whose idea was to just it's catchier, it's snappier. Yeah, back in those days, we didn't have there weren't rappers that had that kind of vibe going. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't exist. So I didn't get that from anybody. I didn't uh, I didn't see anybody else do it. 
Now, it was, actually wasn't Clive. It was my manager at the time. His name uh, is Jeffrey Ross, a really nice guy. Um, and he was my first manager. And he's the one that said, you know, you should just call yourself Kenny G. As everybody calls you the G man or G this. Uh, and I said, yeah, sure. Why not? I, I didn't give it too much thought. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it stuck and it really worked. And like, yeah, like you said, there you've done so many songs that people know, but might not know by the title. But once they hear it, they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard that all over the place. I heard that in the elevator the other day. I heard that in the groceries. It's everywhere. It's in the car. It's everywhere. Um, But the first, the big, big one, I, I at least that I think associate with you, at least early on, was duotones. And oh, I guess was it like 86 or something. So you mentioned Songbird was on that. Just any memories of putting duotones together and particularly Songbird, you know, and good stories from the studio? Yeah, that was that was my first record where I actually was really in charge of what I wanted to do. Not not that not that um, the the record company really didn't put me in charge, but I took charge and really did the instrumentals the way I wanted to do them. So Songbird was me just like I really I played every instrument on that on that uh, song. So when you hear it, the keyboard parts, the the bass parts, you know, on a, on a synthesizer, I played everything. So I was just me putting together music that sounded good to me without anybody telling me anything, no feedback, no, you can't do this. I just said that I'm putting this stuff on the record. And that's the song I played on Johnny Carson against the wishes of everybody that booked me on the show. And so that was really me doing my thing. And, and so that has a lot of good memories. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you went with your gut and just play what you wanted on Carson. <laughs> um, Me that too. Pays off. That pays off. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Well, then to flash forward, and I guess Breathless in 92, would, is, was that the biggest selling instrumental album ever at the time or it's to, to this day still? I think by far today. And I don't say that with any ego. It's just numbers, you know. Yeah, so... I think that record sold 12 or 12 million in the States, maybe more. I mean, in the world is probably, I don't know, 15 or 16 million. I don't think any other instrumental record comes close to that. And I don't say that with ego. It just is what it is. So, yeah, I don't and I don't see that ever being broken because people don't buy records anymore. So it's I don't think it's possible to break that record, you know. So there you go. Absolutely. So are you saying so Breathless then is 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 probably going to be untouchable. I don't think anyone will ever top those numbers. But but in terms of, you know, we're, we're talking dollars and cents. I mean, great. That's great that it sold all that. But like in terms of like a piece of art, do, do you think, it, you know, are, are you proud of it? Because I believe you got a Grammy for, for one of Forever in Love. It was off of that, right? I did get a Grammy, yeah, for for that, yeah, my only Grammy. I think I've been nominated about 20 times. What the I, hell? Only I, one? I know. Only <laughs> one. Uh, and I was actually disappointed I didn't get nominated this year because my record that I put out recently called New Standards, I really, really love that record. I mean, of course, you love every record that you put out and every new record seems to be your most favorite. But there is a lot of really great, I think, um, uh, sophisticated instrumentals and the way we recorded it and all the care and and things that we did when we recorded strings in the London uh, studios uh it was just like a lot of beautiful things and for whatever reason it got overlooked and i you know that's just the that's the downside of, of being popular in in terms of uh 
at least when it comes to instrumentalists. When you're popular, the instrumental world kind of looks down at you like, well, you went commercial. And, mm. and, and that's just not even true. Yes. Right. Yes, it is. Com- it, it went commercial, but not because the artist went commercial, it went commercial because people liked it and they bought it. Um, but that wasn't the, the, um, that wasn't how it started. I didn't make a commercial record. I made a beautiful record that I loved and people loved it. And so, you know, that, that, you know, when it comes to being nominated for a Grammy, the Grammys, I think they kind of look down on that. So I have not had success with the Grammys, even though, you know, my instrumentals are probably the most heard instrumentals on our planet. And yet you could, you can't even, I couldn't get arrested trying to get to play one of them on the Grammys. They would never have that happen. Well, you know what? It really does not matter because if all it is is how you've reached the people and name recognition and, and the artistry itself. And, you know, if you go down the street and ask someone to name an instrumentalist, the Kenny G is right on everyone's lips. You know, everyone can say they'll spit your name out. And to me, that is that is more important than, you know, all, all the awards in the world. Um, So don't even worry about that. <laughs> and, to, and, and, to, and to your point, Kenny G, uh, to your point, the music is probably the same. You, it's it's all the prism they want to apply to. They, you can play the exact same instrumental song, and then they say, "Is that commercial or not?" You wouldn't be able to tell the difference. It's just great music. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you know, one of the things that happened in my career that 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 uh, uh, really makes that point is that when I first started, this we're talking in the mid '80s now. I was playing a one of these jazz festivals up in uh, upstate New York, and uh, played with guys like Miles Davis and Dizzy Gillespie, and I was on the bill and. Nobody had really heard much about my music then, but was just starting to get airplay. So it wasn't super commercially successful, but it was just the it was the beginnings of it. It was the beginnings of Songbird becoming a big hit. So I played it and I got great reviews from the jazz critics. And then the next year, after the record had sold like five or six million, I got asked to go back to the to the festival. And I went back to the festival. Uh, obviously, they sold a lot of tickets because people were excited to hear my song because it became popular. So I played. Same exact music that we played the year before, and the same critics told me that I had gone commercial and there was no substance to the music anymore, but it was the same music. So it just goes to show you their perception caused them to write a bad review, and that's kind of the legacy that I have with just a very, very small uh, percentage of uh, of critics. They just are never going to get over the fact that, that people are... Uh, you know, supporting my music. And I couldn't give that a second thought. I, it's all about the music to me. I do what I do, write it the way I write it, play it the way I play it and how the cards fall from there. That's the way it is. Absolutely. So glad to hear you say that because like you're saying, all those critics can't mostly can't go over the fact that they couldn't even play a, a note uh, like you could. So <laughs> that's why they're writing about it. Not playing. Well, it's okay. We, we need critics. We need, we need them there. It's nice. And, and I respect them too. I, I, when I, I don't really read a lot of reviews, but if somebody throws one in my face, whether it's really good or really bad, and I read it, you know, it's, I can understand, let's let's say, their point of view, uh, but I don't necessarily agree. Right, exactly. Well, you mentioned a, a couple seconds ago, you know, the, playing on those bills with, you know, Miles Davis and Dizzy Gillespie. Oh, my God, like that must have been legends for you. But um, you've played with tons of uh, tons of great people and collaborations and things over the years, like um uh, I'm sure it's hard to pick favorites, but I mean, didn't you do something with Sinatra? Did something with Sinatra. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got a, yeah, that was, I, of course, that's very proud of that. I mean, you know, when you say you did a duet Frank Sinatra, that's not that many people in the world can say that. So yeah, sure. I'm proud of that. Yeah. Lots. I'm proud of a lot of solos I've done. Um, 
you know, and I'm working, I was actually working on coming up with a solo this morning for a really popular artist that's just contacted me yesterday. I won't say who it is, but uh, it's going to be pretty cool. So I'm trying to work out something uh, that's going to be pretty, pretty cool. And I, I, I work really hard at these things when I play with, on someone else's record. I, I give it the same um, amount of uh, focus and heart and soul that I do on my own music because I, I, I care about every note that I play. So I want it to be really, really great. Wow. So we can't say the name, but a really popular artist has reached out to you to to do a collab. Can we say uh, what genre? What's what sort of a teaser? What sort of genre are they? Famous? Well, th this <laughs> sounds like this sounds like a pop song to me. I, okay. I don't know what category, uh, but he um, he's done very, very well in recent years. And, uh, you know, so I'm I'm, I'm kind of happy to do it. And and it's just a challenge of figuring out what notes go well with this pop song because it's not necessarily a jazz song and it's not my music so i gotta find the right the right vibe and the right notes and all that stuff so it uh it's it's a, like a puzzle but i like it and um i'm getting closer i haven't caught it yet but i'm i, I think i made a little headway this morning <laughs> thank you well i'm glad you were and we you gave us some I, we, you gave us some hints i got i got a he and a pop out of you so and before that we didn't know if it was a she or hip-hop and now we know we're, we're narrowing it down so now there's your teaser folks you're gonna have to wait in here and see what who it, who it is that kenny g's been working with but <laughs> let's hope let's hope it actually sees the light of day you never know you send a solo in and they could not like it but uh i i i can't imagine they wouldn't like it i can't Absolutely. Well, before we run, I am a huge movie guy. I know you've played on on a couple of soundtracks and, and some big movies and stuff. Any any favorites or any good memories of? Gosh, what 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 all did you do? Dying Young soundtrack. Um, I think you did a My Heart Will Go On version, but that was more of like after you wasn't in Titanic. But uh, you know, like what was it, what's it been like getting to do stuff for uh for the big screen? Well, I haven't done enough of it. I I'd like to do more. Uh, it's one of those uh, areas that composers are really territorial and uh i know all the the big names that are doing all the um, film scores here in la because i live here and i know these guys i see them around and you can't even imagine how many times i've gone up to the top guys and said listen guys <laughs> let me play one of your you know let, it, let me help you write the themes of the movie let me play it i don't even don't even pay me i don't care Just let me be part of it sure it sounds great yay we'll call you and nobody calls Ah, well, so that's how it works. Maybe they'll hear this little interview. <laughs> nah, <laughs> no, you know, no I've tried. Out. Listen, I have tried. It. It's it's one of those areas I think is going to just be uh, eluding me for the for my 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 lifetime. Um, but I'll still keep a positive attitude. I'm still open. Still would yeah. love to do it. I've got I've actually got some secret songs that I've got on my shelf, unless not not literal shelf, but a figurative shelf that are, I think will are beautiful theme uh, themes for movies that I believe would win an Academy Award for the for the best original score. I mean, I've got nice. these beautiful melodies. They ju I just hope they see the light of day before I don't see the light of day anymore. They're, they're ready to go. Come on, Hollywood. They're ready. To I know. Go. Come on. Let's Talk go. And they're ready. Well, until then, we'll always have the bodyguard and dying young and that stuff. Um, hey, real quick, couple final final seconds here. Um, it, are you still in the Guinness Book of World Records that for the longest note on a sax? I remember you. You know, there there was some talk of that back in the day. Of, 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 I, I always like if there's the little factoids that where you know you've made history of you know being able to circular breathe and hold notes and stuff. So, is it, are you still in the record holder? Well, it was in there at the time. I don't know if I'm still the record holder. I heard that somebody uh, did it a little longer than me, but uh, I don't know for fact. I don't know how it all came down. So 
I haven't, uh, you know, I haven't really thought much about it. So no, I don't know, but I, I was for many, many years. Awesome. And then I assume because of your name recognition, do you get called to do a lot of cool live ceremonial type stuff? Like I'm, this is on my brain because the Kennedy Center honors are in DC and they always bring out surprise performances and stuff. Um, have you ever got to play Kennedy Center honors or, or something similar, you know, a Carnegie Hall or, you know, like a big event space? Yeah, I've done both of those before. Um, I don't remember. can't remember who was honored at Kennedy. I played. can't remember who it was. Uh, but yeah, I played there and, and it was cool. It's um, it's kind of like um, very prestigious. It's very stuffy to me. The, the, the performances there, they, they were pretty stuffy. So it wasn't my favorite thing to do. Right. Uh, but that doesn't mean that if I wasn't presented a Kennedy uh, Award, I wouldn't take it. <laughs> I've, I've, yeah of course you would uh of course yeah, I, I, I thought i did something with um barishnikov or something i can't remember if we did some sort of a thing together but i don't remember if it was for that or something else but seems to jog a memory but you know gosh it's been uh you know i've been doing this since uh let's see 1982 was when i had my first record deal so 40 years it's hard to remember every every performance that i've done so you know <laughs> forgive me if i can't remember exactly who i honored that night with a performance i don't remember it's uh it's all right well uh i really really appreciate you taking 20 25 minutes out of your three hours of daily practice what are, how are you ever going to get those 20 minutes back i cost you your career <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll you know what tomorrow i can't really do too much today i have to i have to i have an appointment that i have to go to so i will i will make it up tomorrow somehow tomorrow i'll, I'll practice 20 extra minutes which is no big deal so i like to do it anyway Okay, great. Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe you can get some practice in. Do, do you mind playing us out with a, another little uh, holiday theme? Oh, sure, sure. I'll, let me give you, uh, let's see, uh, what would be good? Uh... Kenny G. Thank you so much. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks for all the good questions, and I wish you happy holidays. Happy holidays. I really appreciate the music over the years. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. Explain your DNA on, on 10 cases, man. You're inside the police interrogation room with the alleged Potomac River rapist. I'm not guilty on any of this stuff. So calm, so reasonable. Could this be the man who terrorized women for nine years before murdering a brilliant scientist two decades ago? Experience one of the most fascinating true crime podcasts available. Join crime reporter Paul Wagner for Unknown Subject, season three of WTOP's American Nightmare series. Search American Nightmare Podcast on all podcast platforms. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. 
Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.